Welcome back to the Don't Worry About It podcast, where we talk all things mental health related, from anxiety to depression, from happiness to sadness, and all emotions and feelings in between. On today's episode, I invited my good friend, Jojo Aronoff, and his wife, Nechama Simon, who just got married in the beginning of August and got engaged in March, right as the global pandemic of COVID-19 became a reality. We had a really strong discussion where we covered a lot of topics of mental health and they really shared and opened up a lot on what it was, on what the process was like and how it took a mental toll on them and some tips and strategies for how they got through it. I really hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Thanks so much for listening. Jojo Aronoff, Nechama Simon Aronoff, welcome as the first married couple to come onto the podcast. Nechama, you're actually the first female to come onto the podcast, and I'm really excited to have you both here, so thanks so much for coming on. I feel honored to be the first woman. It's great to be here, Dave. So, a lot of you who are listening, if you've listened to previous episodes, will have heard me talk about some recent events that happened in my life where I've talked about emotions and weddings that I've been dealing with and going to California. Jojo is one of my closest and oldest friends from back in the day. And he was the one who got married to Nakama, and a lot of that stuff that I was going through that I talked about is actually credit to them for getting married and having such a beautiful wedding in LA. So thank you guys so much for letting me be a part of that. Thank you for coming, being part of it. You really made it. I mean, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna miss your wedding in LA. Like that's just not an option. It's just, I figured if I had to walk there, I would. And that would have been weird. Google Maps said it would have taken 38 days, but just needed enough time notice. But. It's really cool that, that you guys are on. Joe is like one of my oldest friends just to have you on and to have to see you now with your wife. Like in person, we're actually recording this. The first one that we're doing live is really, really cool to be in your apartment, watching you married. It's very surreal for me. But you guys did something that's very, very weird and it must have been very strange. You guys got engaged and married during COVID. So what's it been? What was that like getting engaged in the beginning of what, what is now we now know is a global pandemic? So... Uh, I guess I'll speak on behalf of both of us. My wife for China then, or? Well, we got engaged March yeah. 17th. So that was like the week everything started going crazy. Yeah, like it started even with the engagement itself as a whole thing. Because like, first of all, I had like three different plans to do it. I ended up doing it in my parents' house in their living room. But I was originally... One of Nakama's favorite coffee shops is called Forever Coffee in uh, the Heights. I guess I'm giving it a good pun. <laughs> like, uh, well, uh, we do some. Fr- I guess we do free ads. I guess that's free advertisement for that. Uh, it's only open until two o'clock now. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I was gonna do it there with like. Well, actually, originally I was gonna go fly to LA, and do it there after Pesach, because we got engaged right before Pesach. Before, right after Purim. Right after Purim, but it was originally going to be, I was originally going to do it right after Pesach. And I was going to do it uh, in, like, I'm in Santa, my Nechambas from Santa Monica, I shall tell you. So I was going to do it there, but obviously COVID had different plans. Hashem had different plans, I should say, not COVID. And, uh, but Baruch Hashem, it really was like, ended up working out. It had to be. It was like we were going to have 25 people, and then we were at 15, and then we had 10. We ended up having like just over 10. David was there as, as probably, my, I think, my only guest of like friends. Oh, there's one more friend, maybe. 
Yeah, I mean, I remember just, we, we were talking on Perm, and we'd been chatting, I'd met you, you introduced me to Kama in, in the end of January, and I mean, I, I was like really blown away, I was like, alright, I know they're getting engaged, question is, when are they going to get engaged, because I was supposed to go to, uh, supposed to leave to Arizona to work for, on a Passover program in the end of, like the last day of March, the first day of April, and I said to Joe, I was like, I need to book my flight, if you're, like, are you getting engaged, because if you are, I need to book my flight around that, or do I, if I have to go, I'll fly back for the, like, I'll fly back for the engagement in the time. And um, yeah. was part of it through, through and through. No, I mean, it is, it is really cool to, like, to look back now, because I've been, like, Part of, part of everything, right? I was at the Lachaim. I was lucky enough to be at the Lachaim. I remember how weird that was because that was when COVID first hit. And, and you know, I was. How to dance or everything. We like did gloves, I think, without masks. Right, I mean, I was. That was when the yeah. world did not know what COVID was. Exactly. Was so. Yeah, that was when, like, just, it was just in, like, Washington Heights and. And you guys were just like, we don't know what it's going to be. And just, we got to anxiety about that. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so I know. Yeah, so. Yeah, in the beginning of this pandemic, it was not pretty. You did not want to hang out with me. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, pretty anxious. I think because my general nature, I don't have a nervous nature. I have a general nature. I, I'm, I think, I don't want to sound not humble here, but I'm kind of a, I think I'm a caring person. So my, my biggest fear with this whole virus was of giving it to others. So... When in the beginning, when they were telling you that, like, literally, if you stand next to someone and you have the virus, you're going to give it to them. And, like, there was so much uncertainty. I was so nervous about getting in and giving it to others to the point where, like, I wasn't leaving my house for weeks upon. And then and it just got bad. And, and Muhammad could attest to this, like, whatever. I had a few almost panic attacks. I don't know. What do you mean? You know, as someone who's had panic attacks, there. So yeah, so I don't want to call them panic attacks because you sort no. of explained in previous episode what a panic attack is, and I didn't like. I didn't have to go to the hospital, thank God, or anything like that. But like, there were nights where like I was very hard to sleep. Like I would just constantly think about this. It would like ruin, like everything else in my life. Like it basically. I mean, as much amazing as my and my gameplay was. It did take over a lot of that, unfortunately. As my, as if you guys can see this, my wife is nodding her head. Like, yeah. <laughs> like uh, I have my own anxieties yeah. with all this stuff too. So, and I know I actually was um, I connected with a lot of people that got married and got engaged over COVID. There was a lot. The one really amazing thing that's happened through COVID is that there's been so many engagements and marriages. And it's, it's crazy because it's a really different time. I remember when, after we got engaged, I was home and just wrapping my mind around the idea of having a different wedding. I like, as a girl who's imagined my wedding my entire life and thought about it since I was five years old and any girl, guys don't really think like this, but any girl can test to that, that really that's what you think about. Um, it was so hard to change the whole idea of what your wedding would be. Obviously, I only care about, not only, but you care mostly about the person that you're marrying, and thank God I'm so lucky to marry the man, man of my dreams, but um, it was really, I had to change my whole perception of the wedding, and that, that took a lot, this, that was a lot of COVID brought, it was a lot of ups and downs, because everything was always changing, there was always, every yeah, there day, was there was another that. change. Was also, another, the fact that we're, I mean, we'll probably get through our background until later after this, but... I grew up here in Angle, New Jersey. We're in Teaneck, New Jersey right now. Uh, and I grew up in Santa Monica, And she grew California. up in Santa Monica, California. 
and her parents are a little older. So it was like getting even the thought of, and then we have family in Israel. So, so even the thought of getting everyone just in the same place was very, gave us both a lot of anxiety. It caused a lot of, I don't want to say arguments, I guess arguments, like a lot of like, because we were kept switching off of where, because first New York was really bad, so like, okay. We did say, we were very lucky to have a lot of shalom and peace throughout the whole, our own relationship throughout this whole thing, but it was a lot, the, the a actual lot of a lot of stress, and I know anyone listening that is engaged or even dating someone and wants to get engaged or even, the wedding is next week, it's a lot of ups and downs, so a lot of, it's a whirlwind, but it gets better, the second you get married, it's much better, so. Well, I can't speak from personal experience, but I've spoken, I know I was, I've watched yours, and I've, I've spoken with other friends. Wedding, the wedding process itself is very, very anxiety provoking. It's very, um, it can be very intense, especially in terms of families. Like there's just so many moving pieces and coordinating, coordinating a lot, especially being on different coasts during, and then hitting a global pandemic where, you know, back then, what, what, what coronavirus, what we know today is so vastly different than what we knew mm-hmm. back then, yeah. you know. We didn't know anything. We really, we really didn't know anything, and I remember being at the Lachaim. We still don't know anything. And we know, <laughs> listen, we think, we, we, what we've come to is that everyone, for the most part, is just, we just, we're all just trying to do our best, but mm-hmm. in terms of like, what anxiety, what I've really come to believe and, and what I've learned is, is that it's really the fear of the unknown, and you put a wedding with all that intensity and so many moving pieces with something that is the virus that is complete, a complete unknown and throw that in, that is, I mean, I feel like that's like something that's got to, got, had to have been really, really intense. And like you mentioned, you were lucky to not have so many tribulations during so much um, maybe anything that was going so rocky in your, your relationship. relationship and then you get, get engaged. And I mean, you guys got engaged in the end, in the middle of March and got married what in, in August? August in, the, in, in August, right? In the beginning of August, August 9th. That's like what a three and a half month yeah. sprint of just complete chaos. I remember. And also, like we didn't. Okay, go ahead. But the chaos was like a lot of times. I had a lot of anxiety and about the government saying where who could fly where, knowing if your own family, your own parents, your own siblings that you're so close with can come to your own wedding, or you're gonna switch to New York, or you're gonna switch to LA. Jojo got married without most most of his friends and without his grandmother and a lot of people because he want, was so selfless and allowed me to have my family, which I will forever be grateful and dead and grateful to, for that. Not dead. Not dead. Well, um, this seems like the appropriate time to give a shout out to Grandma Carol because if we don't give a shout out to Grandma Carol, we're never going to hear the end of it. Yes, so shout Grandma out, Carol. If you can figure it out and listen to this, <laughs> shout out to you. <laughs> <laughs> But I figured that was the time, so yeah. apologies in the comment for interrupting you. If we yeah. didn't do it then, no, we would have, no. all we would have heard Sorry, about yeah, it. But all I'm trying to bring in, because we are talking about the pandemic through this whole thing, that's our main thing, um, is that that was really that source of the of the issue was where where, where, do it, where we could do it. Also, a lot of I mean, obviously, this is my only experience with this, but I know, like, just knowing from people, like, the good thing, I guess about having getting married during a global pandemic was the fact that the money and the budgets and... We still had a pretty nice wedding. No, I'm saying... No, 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 no we had a great wedding. I'm saying, like, usually weddings, like, the, the drift between, between the two families and what I've heard from other people is... I'm not no expert, but I'm saying, like, is 
the fact that the families like argue over money and like it causes a lot of problems and Baruch Hashem really our families had a lot of shalom. We had a lot of shalom with this and because I think they realized and everyone really realized this and I think that's one of the I guess brachos you can get from this is that like really the only thing that matters is the is the people involved in the wedding like like I mean of course the family the flowers are very, are important the of course, we had a beautiful wedding, so the flowers and all that stuff is very important too. But I'm saying, like, at the end of the day, like, all that matters is really just getting the families together and getting, and the couple, really, like, and I think, thank God, I really, like, and the Chalman said it before, like, we really, like, I think our relationship grew stronger through this entire process, and that's what really made, was the most important thing. I think also with COVID, a lot of yeah, there are a lot of broken engagements through COVID also. No, but people become, oh, yeah. you become so much stronger because you're dealing with... Sorry to anyone that lost their... No. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you are going through something so... Everyone, the world is becoming so much stronger from this. It's a crazy time, and it's a time where there's a lot of growth. There's a lot of personal growth. People, we really have to become closer because we both were going through a lot of different things. And it, it's, we also had a lot of periods where we weren't together, so that was very hard. Um, because I went home for Pesach, and then we were home, I was home for six weeks. I think it was six weeks, yeah, we were not together. And we then, just got engaged the week before that, also. And we only did, we did it for three, three months. Three and a half, or four months. Four months, yeah. And you're, and you're separated, and you don't know what's going on in yeah. planning your and wedding. Like, like, are we, we doing it in New York? Are we doing it in California? Yes. If we do it in California, how do we get my people from New York there? Can we get them there? How many people can we have? That's changing every day, so... We've discussed how chaotic this whole thing is, but what I wanted to really know, and, and I'll start with you, Nechama, is when you were dealing with that anxiety and that, that, that unknown, what did you do to, to, how did it affect you and what did you do to deal with it? So, that's a good question because, how do I say this? I think, I mean, I was very lucky that we had a party planner and my father and my mother were very involved, in, my father mostly, but they were very involved in the wedding planning, but, um, it was, it was extremely difficult because you really couldn't plan anything. You really, like, we had the place right away. We had, I mean, we actually, Jojo came for a month um, to LA and we looked at a bunch of places and we had a place, the place we ended up wanting fell through a day before our wedding because, no, no, we didn't end up taking that place. That place, right. it was, we didn't choose it because it was before. really expensive and we had a feeling that it's it might fall through. Uh, but it fell through the day before because of the caterer was like, I'm not doing a wedding for, I'm not doing a wedding during COVID. But um, just looking at places was hard because every place kept saying, oh, if the governor changes his mind, or maybe it'll be 10 people, or maybe it'll be 200 people. We, thank God, ended up having 150 people. Very socially distanced, everyone. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I think so. But going back to the anxiety planning, that was just really staying calm and thinking about the end goal. And that's really what I kept thinking of. But um, it was it was incredibly challenging doing the invitations, not knowing, thinking, do I send people an invitation when no one's really coming? Do I, do I, um, do I switch the place and do it here so people be here? Do I, all these different things, which seem, it's funny looking back, it all seems so silly because I have my goal right now. I have to, it's all in hindsight, but at the time it was very real. It was very, 
it was very, very intense. And we said panic attack before. I've never really experienced a panic attack, a panic attack and I know this is private and they say, but honestly, I had I couldn't breathe one day so because I was so it was there's so much on my shoulders, so many. It was we were dealing with apartments. It was so hard. We we um just apartments and invitations and guests and people saying they couldn't come in and everyone countless countless people saying they can't come in it was really like a yo-yo the whole ordeal was like a yo-yo because one day things would be amazing and then like a week later everything would change even a few days before the wedding um they kept saying in la they're going to shut people's power and water off if there was an event with over like 50 to 100 people so that was that was intense so thank god we came through but and we really, really, the best thing was we had each other to balance each other off. And the wonderful thing about being in a relationship is when one person's calm, the other person's anxious. It's the craziest and thing that's ever. Just, that's just how you balance each other off. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but that's... Well, I think you did a really, really good job. I, there's something in there I want to I wanna touch on, but I want to give Joe uh, the, the floor to answer the, the, the same can question. Just, can I just, before I answer that question, I just want to pack on that. Yeah, go. On the... The last thing the Chama said about the balancing out, it's really, I don't want to like sound brat, but like really like in a great in a relationship that like this, why our relationship works so much is we're constantly seeing ourselves, especially through this, this whole process of, of playing our wedding. We're constantly like there are days where like I would be down, I guess one of the big examples was when Cuomo Governor Cuomo, Governor Murphy, and them, and the governor of Connecticut, I don't know his name, decided to put a quarantine on if you go to a certain amount of states. That was like a month before my wedding, or maybe less than a month. Less than a month. Like that day, I remember just feeling like, oh my gosh, all these people that told me they're going to come are not going to cancel on me. And like that, like I was really down that day. I remember I couldn't even, I was like at work, I think even. I was even in the office, I think, at that time. And like I was just like, I can't work. Like I'm just so bummed out about this and and like Nechama that day was like very high energetic and like it's going to be okay and it's like crazy because there were days where Nechama was like feeling very down and then I would be on I would be on the positive side so it's crazy just how it works like that and it just has to be and it worked and like I mean I, I'm just like I'm a very spiritual person, so I'll say, I'll give a good thanks to Hashem that, like, really, like, he made it so, like, that we would be balanced. And, like, balance is so important. I'm even seeing my early couple, but I guess to call it, and, like, that. Was, newlyweds, yeah. was this the first time you experienced anxiety or any mental health issues in your life? No, I don't think no. so. Definitely not. Okay. Uh, I, I guess I'll give you a little bit of my background, right? I grew up with David in Englewood, New Jersey, so we grew up in like a pretty, I guess, prestigious community, let's just say that, and and part of the, and like really like when you're a kid and growing up in Englewood, especially going to like Mariah, like part of the, I don't want to like, I don't want to insult everyone, anyone, but like one of the big things is like, you have to be like, the, in order to be like the cool kid, quote unquote, you have to like be like a star athlete. You have to be a great student. And I always felt like I was lacking in those. I always grew up on the heavier side, so I always felt that also brought me down. Someone called me slow when I was younger. 
and that really like I don't know why that that always they stay with me it's weird and I think it was like I guess I was also told I was in Mariah I was always put in like the the like in, it's called Gesher it's like the program that like it's like I guess I don't know how to phrase it politically correct. Maybe you can help me. Um, no, from what I, if what you're explaining, I think it's for kids who are maybe maybe have cha- certain challenges. In yeah, the exactly, classroom. like learning disabilities. And I don't want to interrupt you, but these things stay with you forever, even when you're younger. These things really they don't go away. Yeah, exactly. So then that, I guess as a child, I used to go to therapy a lot. I guess that really like because of stuff like that. I actually didn't start in Mariah. Actually, I haven't really told people this. I started in public school. For like till I was in first grade, I used to tell kids when I was younger that I was in like the fifth class. I think there were four <laughs> classes in Mariah kindergarten. I used to say I was in the fifth class. Guys, don't worry, I'm in the fifth class. I don't see you. I'm in the other building. <laughs> and, and that's how I used to hide that I wasn't going to Mariah. And like that was even at like such a young age, and even though I guess I, and even like even in the beginning, like first through fifth grade were like challenging years for me because like I really. Like, not being, like, in the class, the normal class, to be quote-unquote, with the other kids was really, like, tough for me because, I don't know, like, I was able to realize that, like, oh, like, I'm not in, I don't want to insult anyone who's listening to this who was in these classes with me because there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's, everyone has, grows up with their own challenges, but I'm saying my own personal experience based off from this and my takeaways, uh... But no, but actually they were like, no, but, so I used to go to a lot of therapy for that, and I want to give this person a shout out, because he really helped me a lot through my childhood, Dr. David Yammer, so I want to give him a shout out, he's in Israel, I don't think he's going to listen to this, but he was like, very influential in like, helping me like, cope with this when I was younger, and uh, so yeah, that was, I guess, the beginning of the social, the, not... I was a little socially shy, but the more of the, the the learning disabilities was really what caused my a lot of my anxiety. Oh, I actually just learned it, and we've been close, really close friends for 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 so many years now. I just learned this weekend when I was at your uh, when as I was making my goodbye tours around Angola as we just sold our house um, and I'm moving into the city. Um, I, your mom was talking about 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 we were just talking and we were just you know chatting and that came up that you were in, in MRI that age and I had no idea I just assumed that you were um, because you were born six one and a half six two <laughs> with a full beard that you were just put into <laughs> you just went straight to high school and then we saw you there but um, no but but I, I think what you're talking about I think a lot of kids a lot of kids feel that way and I, I'm not going to touch on the uh, I mean as I'm saying about Angle I think a lot about the town. Uh, I think they're no Englewood. I just want to say this: Englewood's a great town. I don't want, like. I'm not meaning to insult it. Like, no, I, I don't think anyone's. I really, have a, I really, have a, I really had a blessed upbringing. I'm really blessed. I thank Hashem every day for my upbringing, and like my, and I, just, I, I don't want to blame Englewood or anyone in particular. I think it's just, it's just the stigma of like. But why do you think that? I don't. I, I just don't think that as any. I think that stigma exists in, in, in every. Right, you're I know it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing was everywhere. I don't think it has anything to do with with, with yeah. the neighborhood. I think there are other things that we can talk about maybe later at another time um, in the future podcast that we do about the neighborhood. But I do want to stay stick on on something you were talking about about you know dealing with those those learning challenges and and you mentioned because someone made a comment to you. kids are um, kids are kids are 
hilariously hilarious, but also at the same time completely ruthless and brutal. And they listen. We see you see. We're now 25, 25 years old and older, right? As, and we now know the power of what words are. And we see adults who know that the power of words are. And we still electively choose sometimes to use br- words that brutalize other people. So when that happens to you, you know the kids are going to do it, and adults do it. How did you overcome hearing those comments? Because as as of right now, you're 25. You just got married to an incredible girl. You have a good you have a good job. You 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 basically have moved from that part where you could have let all that weigh you down. And I'm sure you'll talk about it that it did. How did you overcome it? So I think just part of the thing. I think part of it is just growing up. I think the fact that you just sort of first of all, I think acceptance is a big thing. I think not, like, acceptance that, like, you weren't born with, like, like, the abilities of, not the abilities of the people, but, like, the, whatever, like, I'm a little, I guess I'm slower when it comes to picking up things or whatever, like, but not, no, not thinking that it has to be a race and just accepting that, okay, maybe I'll pick it up a little slower. I think everyone learns at a different pace. Exactly, like, knowing that I learn at maybe a slower pace, I think accepting that and sort of... I think also having good friends, I think ha- re- and having a, a great support system, having amazing parents. Shout out to my parents who are just I mean, incredible people. David is looking to tell you all about my parents. We could we could do a whole. We could do we could do we could do we could do two we could do a whole a whole mega marathon about how much I love your parents and how much. I don't think there's any better people in the world. I mean, the Aronoff family is the greatest family that I, one of the greatest families, if not the greatest family of all time. I will I will put everything on it. So now that we're you know we're talking about um, families and, and we're, we're just talking about you know your family, we're talking about your anxiety. Nahama, I want to shift back to you, and I want to hear. You know, you were talking about so clearly about you had um, panic attacks during this wedding. Was that the first time where your anxiety got the best of you? Um. So it's funny because like I I'm a very high energy person, and I'm also I'm a very I I think of myself I always thought of myself as more of a nervous person, but I don't think really would even see that right away. But um, it's just because I come from a a family of a lot of energy and a lot of. Like it comes from my mother. My mother's a high, like highly anxious person. Um, so I think it's just like in you. But I actually never, I've never had a real panic attack. And I don't even think what I had was a real panic attack. It was just like feeling very, very anxious that you can't breathe. That's scary because your 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 heart is beating so fast. So maybe that is a real panic attack. But um, like I have to lie down on the floor and get myself calm. And my roommate was amazing. So now that you're talking about yeah. that, when this first happened to you, um, a lot of people when they experience anxiety for the first time, a lot of people that I've spoken to um, on and off the podcast talk about not realizing that they had anxiety growing up and that oh. there are certain times when they were anxious. And then once they learned about it, um, then once they learned about it, they're like, they do, they have that, oh my God moment where like, oh, that's what that was. Then that moment where I couldn't breathe and the way you're describing yeah. it, like that's an anxiety, whether it's a panic attack, anxiety so, attack, that is an attack where you, yeah. heart, you feel like you're having 
heartache and you can't breathe, whether it's the world spinning, uh, nausea, like there's so many different uh, symptoms That's, of what it is, but it's real. So I think I, I know this about myself. I'm a type of person that wants to do, 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 and then my body tells me to calm down. Either I'll get sick or I'll, mm. or I, I just, I also, not to, I don't mean to be, I'm not, not as humble as Jojo, but I'm, I'm a big giver and I love fully and like I just will do and do and I'll never stop. So my, usually the, that attack was great because I was so, it turned me to calm down and really appreciate what was going on. So our bodies are amazing. But, um, but going back to my background too, I think I think it's, it's all leads up. You're, there's a lot of people that got engaged now that are so calm throughout the whole process. So You think so? You think they're actually calm or you think they just seem calm? They seem calm maybe. I mean, I have a, my brother got married a week after me and I'm not going to, Say their names because I mean, right. and knowing their names, like <laughs> you don't have to don't worry about it. <laughs> but no, but like they, they, they were much calmer about everything because they're just more they're calmer people. Um, so it just it just really depends on who you are. Um, well, it's how, I, I think it's how it manifests. Um, I, had a, I met somebody when I was at the end of my junior year. Where I was working in, uh, in camp. He was uh, my co-counselor in camp, and we were chatting. He's from Memphis, Tennessee. Um, and he's a really great guy. I, I wish I didn't lose touch. I hope, hopefully I'll get back in touch with him. But the main reason why I wanted to bring him up is he doesn't, he never got angry. And I was very angry my entire child. Like that part, I was like very angry. And I was like, what do you mean you don't, he's like, I don't get mad. He's like, he never got mad or angry. No matter what the campers did or no matter what situation happens, he never, ever got angry or he never got sad. He never got, he never got angry. He never got mad. And I was like, I didn't think that was a possibility. And it's kind of changed a lot of, a lot of what I think people emotionally are capable well, of handling. Well, that's what Jojo said. Like, uh, he said, I, I really think we all have different amount of different emotions and different ways we are. So, so right. the, everyone, everyone has what they need in life. So, well, not, not, I, I see that that's where I'll push back. Okay. I, I think when you don't have what you need and you don't have, if you, you can, you don't have a sports, listen, you have to deal, emotions and feelings, you ha eventually bubble over. If you don't deal with trauma or, even less than trauma, you don't deal with issues. They they manifest, right? Yes. They they can they can stop people from growing. They can stop people from getting to where they need to do. Some people don't grow up. Some people yeah. it, it can manifest in so many different ways. And then if you don't deal with it, and I I'm a firm believer that everybody's how how it manifests in certain people is always going to be different than others. But if you don't deal with it, it will come back to haunt you. No, no, I agree with you there, hundred percent. I think you have to know yourself. And like going back to anxiety, I. I, don't, I think therapy is a wonderful thing. I've been in therapy for probably six to seven years. And not even about being anxious, but just controlling my feelings and making sure I'm healthy, the healthiest person I could be, because that's, there's, therapy's still a stigma to a lot of people. Like, a lot of people think it's terrible. Like, I was just in the car, my, I was on the phone with my brother and sister-in-law, my sister and brother-in-law, my brother-in-law was like, why the heck would you be able to go to therapy? You're such an emotionally healthy person. I said, I want to stay an emotionally healthy person. So it's it's about knowing who you are, but um, and knowing what you need. And knowing what you need. Um, so, so going. So therapy, I want before we go into the next thing. Um, I'm a big believer. I, I I've been in therapy. I've seen multiple therapists um, in my life. I only really stuck with one of them. Um, took me a while to realize that for me, I needed a female and somebody who was also she happened to be also be like. Uh, of Jew she was Jewish and Orthodox and understood that aspect, which I think is so important to go to a therapist, regardless of your religion, or just that can understand your beliefs and knows the like the world that you kind of live in and can understand that part. It logically just makes sense to go to somebody that doesn't really know what you're doing. And for maybe for me, just having a female figure was easier for me to open yeah. up to. 
But I realized in therapy that I no longer needed therapy, but I also took me a while to actually stop doing therapy because I realized that there's so much, there's an incredible value in sitting. That's the good thing about therapy, I think. I've also been to therapy for a while and uh, did it for so many years. I think it just gives you a a person who's not biased. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll disagree because I'll I'll finish. um, Okay, fine. I'll finish what I was going to say is that that person that you're talking to for 50 minutes a week, they don't know, they're not, you don't know them, they're not part of you, if, if they're not part of your community, they don't know you, they don't know nothing else about you, they can't hurt, you're giving personal information to help talk about something, and there's some value in just talking for 50, day, 50 exactly. minutes a week, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that, and that, and that, then you walk out and you, you feel say, calm. You say stuff you wouldn't say to a friend, it's like you or, talk to a friend for or, hours and yeah. Or spat or, or anybody in relationship is just somebody you can vent you can vent to and there's value in that I, I don't I think that there are other ways maybe to do it for me it was just uh, I just realized that not every session had to be like the biggest breakthrough that a lot of it was just playing mental ping pong with myself and I just talking out loud and just actually doing that I was able, actually able to talk through issues and actually helped a lot and then I realized you know therapy for me with COVID was just I didn't I didn't want to do tele I didn't want to do it in personally and I've you know I, I feel like I've actually I don't think therapy is a, a lifetime should never be a lifetime. Doesn't shouldn't be a lifetime subscription. But that's my own feelings yeah. on it, and I've kind of challenging myself here and saying that if that's something that you want to pay X amount of dollars for as a service and it helps you, then what's then I'm checking myself here and like, well, if you can afford it and you budget for it, then you get insurance. Or if you're on insurance, whatever it is, like, is there something you're so bad about insurance. it? <laughs> if if you can do it, so therapy something. But I, I want to bring this up. You know, therapy is. You, you learn when people get more open about it and you hear that people go to therapy, but it's not something that people you know like to talk about. No. I don't know if it's because there's a stigma around it. Is there, maybe it's the shame. I'm curious if you guys have put any thought um, into that. I know that for years, my siblings wanted, like, my siblings were like, you should go to therapy, you should go to therapy. And I was like, I've never gone to therapy because I always thought it was a terrible thing. Like, I never, you think, oh, something has to be wrong with you. Oh, I always, thank God, I know I grew up in a very loving, supportive family and like, Funny, I also grew up with, with a lot of learning, with some learning disabilities and, and with different things, but I was incredibly popular and, and very loved, and that sounds so weird to say, but like, I had a lot of, you had, I still had a lot of issues that I needed mm-hmm. to address. Um, and, and therapy, years later, my first time going to therapy, I probably was 23, 20, 22 years old, um, and, I, and I've been there for a while, and it's, it just, I see that it helps, but I also agree with you, it's not forever, it's definitely, and I've taken breaks for like six months to like a year even. And how does uh, mental, uh, you know, mental health is something that's become a really mainstream topic now, it's everywhere. Yeah. How do you think, how's it played in your, in, in your friendships? Is it something that you think you can talk about with your, with, with your friends? A hundred percent. I mean, at least the people I'm friends with, um, it's very accepted right now. Everyone, I think it's where the world is holding right now, like you just said. It's, it's really about, like, most people I know value it. They value meditating, even, or, like, taking a few minutes to yourself, calming down, being aware of your surroundings, being aware of your feelings. It's, it's the world we're living in right now. It's really, it's really, we're trying to all address who we are. So I'm a little bit more private. And I have actually a lot of difficulties talking about my mental health with people. And uh, so that's why I guess, well, it's good, it's good to have. Well, you have, a ma- you have a, the male and female perspective. It's exactly very different. perfect. Yeah, so I, which I think this actually, I don't want to say this encompasses it. I think, I mean, 
don't know, you can test this. I think females are more open to sharing like, yeah. feelings. Yeah, I mean, than I happen to be usually. a very open person. Not everyone, most people are not so open. So, yeah, so I'm like not, I could be open, but I'm a little bit more private, I feel like. I don't so. think there's anything wrong with being private or being, no, who you sh- I don't think yeah. you should, like when you're open, it's like, when people say like, I, I, there's like this weird thing about being open, it's like, oh, I talk. If you're like somebody who's open and you share every emotion, every feeling with, with Bob, with Bob who lives across the street that you don't know and, and Gary, the, and Gary, the guy who mows your neighbor's lawns, like it's a little weird. You know, I, in my opinion, I think it's a little strange if you open up to everyone, but I do think What's interesting about this podcast is that men have been more open about coming on. Nahama, you're actually the first, you're the first female to come onto the podcast. And I always thought for sure it'd be females, but I've also noticed that women may be more inclined to share openly with their friends and other women. But I think men have- Women need to share. We have a need. It's a need. Women, so, we have, I forgot what is this, nine, the nine things of speech or something? I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that is. Even, like we have, we have a lot more. We, I can sit on the phone and talk for hours. Men Gen- well, I, I don't want to. I'm gonna. I don't want to generalize not here because more, more so. Right. I don't want to generalize because there are some women that may be more closed off. But in, in terms of, I mean, men are for years have been told that we can't share, and I don't think there's not. I think there are certain things men should share, and I also think it's based on them. Some men are able to process their feelings without talking about it with other people or with sure. with a certain friend. And if you can do that, then you don't need to share with anyone else but the people that are important in your life that you maintain a relationship yeah. with. And that as long as you can cultivate a strong relationship with your with your husband or your wife or with your well, with, with whoever. Share, you really only share anything real with people that are very close to you. It's not like well, I learned I learned that though I learned that the hard way because I used to be very completely open about things that I never should have. I, I aired a lot of dirty laundry that I had in my life as as a sixteen year old that was angry at the world. And looking back, do I have any regrets on what I did? Yes and no. I believe what I did. I needed to do. I just wish I just went about it different, differently, and I was very also, open. It's bad to live with regrets. I feel. So I think regrets are good. Um, it's a hot topic, regret. and I'll defend. And I'll defend it. I think, and I'll, no, I think you shouldn't live your life stuck in regret. But I do okay. think it's okay to make a mistake and regret no, making no, 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 a mistake. No, there's a difference between making a mistake and having a regret. Oh, you, if you say something that's wrong to somebody, you regret that decision. You can yeah. either you can you, you should if you say something's wrong. Yeah, you should, do you, if you regret hurting someone's feelings, that makes sense. You should regret yeah. doing the wrong action. But and and, and, and I, I think you should ever really regret opening up to someone though, as like you're saying that you regret opening up to people too much. Well, Sometimes somebody that I didn't that. that I didn't well only people that I didn't have a shared create a shared space with that was. That, that I could connect and I should be sharing information for. It's like going to any, it's not even like a random stranger, it's just some person that you're just talking about intense things for. They didn't, I mean, you're also, bur- when you share it, you're burdening people. You, and, and burdening has like a negative uh, connotation around it, but I don't mean yeah, it negative. You're saying how, what, how long ago was these conversations you're talking about? You're talking well, about- I, I'm saying I, regre- I regret the way I did in the past. I've also accepted that I can't change anything about it and I've learned it for the so I think we agree. We just went. I think we're on areas. the same page. We are yeah. on the same page. I just, I just want to. I think regrets get everyone poops on regrets, and I want to give regrets a little. Cur- I want to stand up a little bit for regretting and saying they've got a place in the no. world. I agree with him in a way. You do. I, I mean, you're my husband, and I love you. No, no, you're my husband. No, I do. I think like sometimes you do regret things you've done, things. Things you've done, places you've gone, a whole year. Like you can regret a lot of things in life, and you learn from your mistakes. You learn from it, but you can still regret it. Absolutely. You know, as 
a theme that I think has come up a lot in this podcast is the symbiosis of actually creating a shared space together. That's something we've talked about a lot in episodes leading up to this, but I want to talk as we're, this is the first time we're doing two, a married couple together. And you know, you've created these shared spaces together to, to be able to share your feelings. And you guys were put into the ultimate pressure cooker, getting engaged and married in while during COVID-19. And listen, when people get put in the stressors, you find out what you're made of. I, I, I call COVID-19 the great ma makeup remover. It really, it really took people, it really uncovered a lot. People learned their relationship, they learned about the other person. You, you see people at their, at their worst or at their best and you've seen them overcome challenges. You've, and also you've watched people not be able to overcome certain challenges. And people have, I think this has become, can be a really good learning experience for a lot of people to learn about what they need, what their needs and wants. And I think there's a, COVID-19 has definitely, de has absolutely decimated a lot of people's lives, but it, I think there's, there is there is some positives that have come out of it so far. I mean, we're not we're not oh it's not over. So looking back as we're after the wedding, it's it's easy to look on like on maybe better goggles about it because you've achieved the goal that you set up to go to get. You're married now. It's happily married. Thank God. Looking back, what, what did you learn from this experience? You want to go first? No, you go. You realize what you really need, like you said that, like before, like honestly, like weddings, weddings before, were, we, if we would have had a wedding non-COVID, it would have been 600 people, no doubt. And it would have been we're both a lot more money and probably a lot more of stress. stress. So You think it would have been more stress? Different stress. With more stress, I was gonna say. Okay, but Different honestly, you learn, you learn what really matters because at the end of the day, I can only speak for myself because unfortunately it wasn't the same for Jojo, but like the people that I really wanted were there. Even though I made a lot of friends in New York and to anyone that hears this, only two of my closest friends here came and those were the only people that I, like, obviously I would have wanted other people to come, but those were the people that, that wouldn't miss it, that I loved. And a lot of people that I loved didn't come and they couldn't come and that's fine, I still love them, but you learn that a wedding doesn't have to, weddings are going to change, they're going to change a lot because people are not going to have a 600 or 400 person wedding and spend $100,000, they could spend a lot less and they could still have a beautiful wedding. Um, so I think that's something you can look back on. And just really, I mean, after the fact, you really just see that like, all that really mattered was the simcha and that you married the goal, that you, that you marry the person that you love and that, that um, obviously the people that were there make it, but really family and the closest people matter most. And, Everything else is just extra. And and I hope to anyone that's listening to this and is getting married that you just take away the extra stresses because they really don't matter. And I think anything in life, when you look back, you you believe that. It's just so hard to do that. When it, it's so hard to accept that. Like for years and years I dated, not that I'm so old, but I'm, I'm 28, I'm a little older than JoJo, and I dated since I was 18, 19. And for years and years people say, oh, you're going to get married, you're going to get married, it's going to happen. And it takes time, and that time is great because you become, you develop, and you become a mature, thought-out person, and you you have a lot of experience and all that stuff. But looking back, you can say, "Wow, I'm so happy." You forget about, you forget all the pain, but at the time, you still have it. So it's, it's similar to this. That obviously the whole prep was very intense and had a lot of emotions. But looking back, I just see the beauty of it all. I see the beauty of the wedding and how special it was. And knowing now, like if I did it again, I would make it even smaller and less stressed. And just know, and just, <laughs> and just, and just be happy with, with that I really, that I got married and I got married to the person I love.
Joe, before I get to your answer, there's something Nechama said that I think is really interesting, and I want to I want to see if you're in, if you're willing to go there with me on this. You're talking about how people are saying you know you're going to get married, and there's this, there is a if you're not in the Jewish world, you may not understand this because in the non-Jewish world, it's not. So we as not as much pressure to get married at such a younger age. But at 20, you know, at 20, you mentioned, you, were, you know, people are saying you're going to get married, you're going to get married, you're going to get married. Are you now, because you finally got there, detached from that pain? Can you, can you no, talk? No, that can you talk? Can you, because I think that there's such a problem. Well, I don't want to say, I'm not, the problem's the wrong word. There is such a focus, especially for, for, for the women, about getting married at, at a younger age. And you watch your friends get married and you want to be happy. I mean, I'm a man and I never, I mean, do I want to get, I want to get married very, but like something that I really want to do. I've never really been ready per se to actually do it. So for me, it's been a little easier to watch my close friends get married and like, it's like, I'm just be happy them to be happy about them for it. Um, but for you, or if you're willing, if obviously this is, it could be a very intense subject. If you want to talk generally about it, if you don't want to go there, that's absolutely well, fine. I don't, but, um, I don't want to make the podcast so long, but really don't, don't worry. We, we have I, plenty of time. I grew up in the base, with a base yacob, a very religious base yacob. And, we had a class on how to be a married woman and how to be a good wife in 11th grade. Like, and 11th grade, you're 16, 17 years old. Yes. Also, um, so for all the non, I guess, observant uh, listeners, Beis Yaakov is like the most... It's a very... I mean, very yeah, you it, 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 it frames. It's, Beis Yaakov is just a movement and, and it's an all-girl school, very, very religious, um, the most religious other than Hasidish. So... And but in LA there's only one based off, so it's pretty open. But I mean, it's a pretty there's a lot of different people that go to it. But the mindset of the school is that it's very religious. Like I have a friend that thought, okay, I'm not gonna go to it. Um, but I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying like, you really the first time I talked to a guy really was on my first date. Like obviously wow. I talked to people, I talked to guys um, like at my Shabbos table and stuff. Obviously, you talk to guys that grew up in my parents both fall true, but we had a lot of people at our homes. But the first time I had a romantic type of feeling was on a date. And people, and my siblings all got married very young. So, all between the ages of 18 and 22. So, as a 28 year old that got married, people people look at you with a lot of shame or pity eyes. Really, 27. 27. I turned 28 two days later. So, I got married 27. But um, honestly, I was, I'll tell you a little story, but I was, I was at the Kotel last, the beginning of the year, and I was walking on Sukkot, with, on a holiday Sukkot, um, Sukkot, with two girls, and I, I was listening to them talk about how they're not married, and they feel so old, and I and chimed in, and I said, how old are you? And they said, oh, we're, we're 19, 20. And I said to them, I said, I feel bad for chiming in, but you have your whole life. You don't need to feel so bad about feeling. You have your whole twenties ahead of you. You should you should you should go to college, you should find a degree, you should find yourself, and I think you only really learn that if you don't get married right away. Or or you I'm a big believer you grow with the person you marry, either way. So either you grow a little bit by yourself first, or you grow with your husband. So um, but going back to the pain, it never it it's it was, it is, any single out there, it's a different kind of pain because you feel lonely, you feel alone at certain times. And I think any time in life you could feel lonely, even if you're married or anything like that, I think that's just communication. Um, but it is something that the world has to change a little bit in, um, even the religious world, because you don't Especially control, you don't control um, 
You don't control your destiny. You don't control not your. You don't control when you're going to meet your real bashara or the person you're going to marry or anything like that. But um, there is a lot of there is a lot of feelings there, and thank God I. The best thing Hashem gives us. I'm also a spiritual person. Is anyone can attest to this? Is that you really forget pain when you're so happy, and it's such a bracha. Um, but I think that every single stage of life has taught me so many things, and I'm just so grateful to have learned and to have developed through all my different relationships. But um, that going back to how, to how the world works, especially the very religious world, is that you get married at a certain age, and that's it. And if you're not a part of that group, you really get left out. So that that is where the pain starts. That like well, you you I mean. I think everything you said, I think, is really interesting, mm-hmm. but I do want to get back to the main focal point, and I think to talk about to talk about the dating, I want to hear Joe, actually, your perspective also on this. I think in our world, you for guys, it's a little easier, right? If at 25, you can date a 22-year-old. Yeah, you can, you can date, you can, you can, some people can date a 20-year-old, or yeah. whatever your age, your age, your age thing is, but for, but for women, it's a lot harder, mm-hmm. because the old, there is an emphasis on the Ooh. older that you get, People say you. People say I know a forty-year-old who wouldn't date a twenty-two-year-old. Oh, someone older than twenty-four. A forty-year-old wouldn't date someone. Old. Well, you know what? If I'm the twenty-four-year-old, I might have to second-guess maybe going on a date with that forty-year-old. But that's just me. Unless he's a billionaire, I always get married rich. I mean, listen, you get married, married rich, take half his money, and you're a little independent, I guess. I, I don't know how to spin that. But I also want to vouch for this world too because. It's what it's always been done. I want to get out of this world because I don't, I don't, because I don't think it's only in that world. It's, I think it's, every, it's, it's, it's not just the base Yaakov world. It's, it's in our, Joe will test this. It's I in the, mo- we, so much, we went into the modern orthodox world. Yeah. We're going to get to you, Joe, but stay, I want to let you finish. Yeah. No, but even I have a lot of non, I have a lot of non-Jewish friends too, and they also, people have pressure in all types of world. People want to get married and there's always the How did you deal with, how did you deal with it? What do you mean? How did you deal with the stress of growing up in that world? Getting married at twenty seven, which is I dated all the time, but that's still but not get but but didn't but the com- people right the people make the comments the soon by you oh, that yeah. that stuff is real that's maybe I wasn't clever that that's the that's the pain I think that so many so many people so experience. What I could say is that I'm, a, I'm an incredibly positive person, and I always I did get I did get down a lot of times, and there was a lot of crying, and there was a lot of relationships, and there was a lot of serious relationships, and a lot of one and dones. Um, but I wanted to be a doer. So I made a lot of single events and in LA there was no events. And I felt like by giving, I felt like, wow, I have the opportunity to give in a different way now because I am struggling with this. So anyone that's struggling with something could really try to give in that way that they're struggling with. That was someplace I'd give. And there was something I had to grow in. I, I never thought I would ever leave LA. And I dated in LA for seven years before moving to New York, and then I, I met JoJo two years after living in New York. So, so I think I had to change. I had to overcome something to move here and and to meet my my person. But um, but going back to that, it's just it's just a lot of inward struggles. I remember we were talking going back about therapists. I had a therapist who was, who was not Jewish who I had to start stop. And I uh, anyone going back to what you said, you just have to. You have to have the right therapist. Because you have to explain this crazy world to them. She was like, why don't you just have friends that that don't want to ever get married or not get married? And I'm like, that's not the point. The point is that it's a a hard thing to be in. It's a culture. And it's a culture that I want. But also, moving to the Heights was a different thing. Because the Heights 
is a wonderful community where being single, and maybe this is a bad thing too, but it's a wonderful feeling. You're with, you're in it with everyone. So you don't, there goes away all the shame that you had. And shame is an awful thing. Shame is a real thing. All any shame you ever felt or anything. Oh, why, why did I not get married? What's wrong with me? Why I'm a successful, beautiful person that has all these things. What's and like the older you get, a lot of times the more successful, the more accomplished, the more uh, thought out you become, and and it just gets harder and harder to meet someone because you're like all the guys are schmucks, schmoes, and terrible, and have no no anything. So it's it's just harder. But um. The Heights was a really, a, a really wonderful thing that made me a lot happier, um, and also just going back to what, what, how I dealt with it was just trying to get going back. I know there's, there's a lot no. we can say there, but no. thank you, thank you. Uh, that I, I just, I, I could see, and physically, I could see how, how hard that was for you to dope it up and talk with, and I think, I think I'm first of all, I'm really, I found it to be incredibly moving in real time, and I know when I listen back to this, it's gonna. Oh, I'm gonna process it very differently. No, in an incredible way, how how moving that was, and to hear you're talking. I think it's so important for for people who are listening that are like you. I think you're hopefully your friends will listen to this. Mm-hmm. That you know you have married friends. I'm sure you have some single friends that might be going through. We're talking about, and there are going to be girls that come after you. And if it happens, I think it's so important and so valuable that, that you opened up that way. So I, I'm really appreciative. Um, Joe, I want to bring you in here and hear what you have. I don't to know how I follow up after that. <laughs> Uh, well, she's your wife now. Get used to it. Also, uh, should we maybe after we'll do this, maybe you should give advice to people. No, we'll don't. I'll give you. I'll give. I'll, advice I'll, to give. We'll we'll open the floor to you later. But Joe, I want to I want to go to you now and hear what you have to say. So ask him about the dating stories. Is that what, wherever you want to take it, my friend? Where, 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 oh, the pressure. Oh, the pressure. Could be any. You could talk so, about whatever. So as we were. Uh, uh, so as we were talking before, so. I grew up in a little less traditional background. Still very like, so the more modern, the orthodox world. And there's still the same, even though I'm, I guess, a male, so my life is somewhat easier in this regard, meaning that like... Well, your options are bigger. Our options are bigger. You can date older, you can date younger. You can date younger, you can date older. There's no real, uh, exactly, there's no age limit. Percent, you know, I wasn't going to date someone in their 40s, but like, exactly. And I think men also feel a little less pressure, but at the same time, there's still some pressure I felt uh, dating. And especially being, I think, more than YU, there's just, in Yeshiva University, there's just this added pressure of like getting married, which is very weird because guys are getting married way too young, I feel like. <laughs> Even though, like, I guess there's not age limit for getting married, but like, like I have friends like getting married like after our first year of college. I'm like, wow, like I'm not ready to even, I don't even know like what I'm gonna major. I don't know what job I'm gonna do. I don't even know what I'm doing that summer and they're deciding, oh, I'm gonna get married. This is, they're making a bigger decision than about who they're gonna spend the rest of their life exactly. with. Exactly, and I don't even know like what my, I don't even have any idea what professional I'm doing. And uh, therefore, that sh- is just crazy to me that like that was uh, just like that was like the added pressure and like being so I guess and also I went on a lot of dates I didn't go on I don't think as many as the Humble but I uh, I did also date a lot and 
And you know, it does feel lonely a lot. There's a lot of times you feel lonely. I mean, we, we had many conversations as you were dating. I remember seeing you at times where you were, you know, had a failed relationship or you were, you couldn't, you, you were going on a, on a few, on one or two dates with a girl and then it wasn't working out either on your end or their end. And, and if you were willing to talk about what that was like. Yeah, the dating world is very confusing, very, like, beyond. And, like, it's hard to navigate, really, until you find that person. It's, like, really hard to, like, figure... I'm very... I guess, like, figuring people out and what they're thinking is, like, it just... It's a lot of anxiety. A lot of anxiety. drives you crazy. After, before dates, I was a mess. Like, it's... Like, what do you mean? What do you mean by, like, what do you mean you were a mess? I mean, like, just, like, getting yourself emotionally ready... It's going to be a very intense time. I have a lot of ADD. As my wife can confess, she wrote about this. <laughs> After our first date, one of my cons was I had a lot of ADD. I read him on my pros and cons. Yeah, oh, she, that's I, so cute. A lot of people write wedding vows. You guys wrote, shared your after first date cons. That's so cute. And she said one of my cons was ADD, and I was always worried about that with other people. Like, with, don't say it. Don't, you already married him. Don't worry. Yeah. And then, uh, no, and then other things, I'm like, whatever, I'm not always so put together. So that was always a worry for me. My wife's shushing me because she doesn't want me to give up too much. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, you're not sharing anything too personal. But in terms of anything like that, but you know, you're talking about that pain and, and what it was like. How did you, how did you, oh, pain. I don't want to call I, pain. I, Joe, I sat there and I, and we had many oh, conversations with you. Pain. There were times, Joe, you, I remember you came, I just moved on to the, moved to the Upper West Side in September. You had gone on a date um, and you were, you t- I didn't know that at the time, but you had texted me, Hey, I'm, I'm coming uptown. Do you want, can I come, do you want to hang out? And I was like, yeah, come to my apartment. Oh, yeah, and you this. showed up in a sweater and a button down shirt talking with the sweater. And I was like, okay, you went on a date. And I was like, I literally look at you and I was like, I don't even have to ask you to go to a date. I was like. So how was it? And you're like, you gave me a, nah, a shake of the head. You're like, nah. I need a beer. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm almost positive. I'm okay. almost positive. I said like, I need a beer. And like, I think it was a Monday night football game. Like, I yeah. should be watching football right now. I can't think about dating. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, and I took a lot of breaks. So it was like, it's, it's just, I think for everyone has like, except for the people that are very fortunate, even them to like meet the first girl they date, to still it's like, or the first guy. Or whatever. Everyone has their own challenge. Everyone, I think, has their own challenge when it comes to dating. And it's just, it's just such a, it's just such a transformation, especially in our world. I guess in maybe the, the non, I guess, orthodox Jewish world. I'm only thinking of the orthodox Jewish world. No, actually, I know people in the non-orthodox Jewish world too. I guess for them, dating is much less stress because they're not really, their end goal isn't necessarily married. They just want someone. So, Joe. I want to go back now and hear what you've learned throughout this process, getting engaged in the midst of, in the beginning of a global pandemic and now getting married before the global pandemic ended. What have you learned in this, in this section? What have you learned? So I've learned a lot. I think the main thing I've learned is that the most important, I guess in relationships, the most important is the people involved, not everyone else. I think a lot of people, especially when it comes to weddings, are sidetracked by all the details and all the things, the wedding itself, but they don't really focus on the actual relationship and the couple. And I think this process has really taught me that like there's nothing more important than than uh, growing your relationship with your significant other in this in a wedding and like growing relationships in general with, with the people involved. And I feel like that really was a thing that COVID really taught you because COVID really forced you to really like 
to have the relationships you were with to really like to keep them and to and to grow them and especially with ours because we had a lot of, like I think we mentioned before that there are a lot of times where we were separated from each other and through this engagement it was very tough for me I'm not a phone person and I would have very to be very tough for me because I am a phone person and she and my, and my wife is a phone person so it's very hard for me I had to be on FaceTime like every night and to make sure that like I'm making my wife happy because, like, at the end of the day, this is the girl. This is the girl I want to marry. I want to make her as happy as possible. So that was also keeping in touch like that. And that's very stressful for you. I mean, yeah, that puts a lot of bur- that puts pr- in a good way. It's it pr- yeah. in a in a way it, it is pressure. And there's a, and there's this is where I want to I want to hear from both of you at, about this. What if I guess how is mental health your own specifically and how your partners handled? You know your own mental health quirks or whatever mental health that you go with. How is that? How is that manifested in your relationship? And I guess looking looking on back and now to the future as you go on, what have, what have you learned about the other and how to, how you handle mental health? You know what? That's a bad question. I'm gonna scratch it. It's not a bad question. I'm gonna scratch it. I, it wasn't focused. I I, I like the idea. I just didn't word it correctly. So I'm gonna change it up. Apologies. How is mental health in your own life and now seeing? How, how your partner handled it, what have you learned about the way that you both express your own mental health and the way you receive the other person's anxieties or fears or emotions? I'm very curious to hear your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Joe basically just said, I'm going second. I mean, I don't know if I'm asking your question properly, yeah, but I feel matter. like we all, and I've said this before, really... Well, don't, no, stopping you. Don't we all. I want to hear you. Specific. No, don't no. generalize. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to generalize, but throwing out everything that you have makes you who you are. Your background and what you've um, overcome and what you have to deal with. Um, and we, we each have a lot of our own anxieties, the things that bother us, the things that take us off, the things, like even the stupid thing with the phone. Like I Sometimes you only want to talk 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and like, does he about me? Well, I know he cares about me, but why is he only want to talk for 15, 20 minutes? Like, to me, that, that... That's real. That's real. It's like, I know he loves me, but, like, why can't he talk to me for two hours? Like, some other people can. But I know... Like her him. brother. No. <laughs> no, but I know, I know without Sorry, a doubt, I know without a doubt that he loves me, and I knew that all along, which is such a wonderful feeling to know, and I'm hoping that I do know, um, but... But mental health, going back to mental health, we each have, it's such a, that's such a, that's such an interesting thought because it's such like the norm, you think, oh my gosh, everyone has to be something else, but it's who he is, like he, it's too, it's hard for him because he has ADD to be on the phone for so long. But for me, I say, oh, it means if you're on the phone for over an hour that you really love each other and have so much to talk about. That's, that's BS, that's not true. Um, but... I don't know how to answer that question. I really No, you answered it well. You answered well. Wasn't it? So now to go back to the phone thing and my perspective of like something that I would have I had to work with this Nakam was very good at keeping in touch on the phone with a lot of people. So I would try to reach her sometimes and she would be on the phone with someone else or be talking to someone else and wouldn't reach me but back for a while. And I had to get into my head that like that she loves me even though like she's not answering me right away because that would give me anxiety of like Oh, why is she asking right away? So I'm my number one priority. It also, and he is my number one priority. And like, I had to realize that it does, even if I was at that moment, it's not, that doesn't mean that you don't love me. Like, I had to learn that myself too through like this whole 
just the foam aspect yeah. of it, and even even now in the relationship, like we have to like we know that we have our own lives and like that we don't have to be. No, we're always gonna be there for each other. I shouldn't say for a phrase like yeah. that, but I'm saying like. There's other things. There's in the other world. things in the world that we can do. We can be busy with or occupied with like work and like and other right. friends and family and and all. Like I think also another. I think another aspect through our engagement was when I was gonna go to California. I was very. I had a lot of anxiety about going on a plane. I'm like, come on. I was like, at some point, I'm like, Nicole, why don't you come back here? And like, she really didn't want to leave her family because she was like, and like, rightfully so. Like, she was, A, New York was way worse than California at the time, but not even that. Yeah. More, more the fact that like, she, this was it for her. Like, she's moving to the East Coast. Like, she's not going to be with her family for a while, like a lot. So, so like, I had to realize that like, it's not that she doesn't want to be with me. It's the fact that she, there's other priorities like her, her and her family were very she's very close to her family very connected to them and that she really wanted to be there with her family through this time because this was like a great opportunity for her to be with her family and I sort of it took me a while to recognize that but then I did and I got through my senses I went to California to spend time with her and you saw that you and, saw I, that. and I saw that firsthand, and that was also very eye opening and strong aspect of our engagement was the fact that we did spend a lot of time with our families and were able to see more of our backgrounds and that also was a really important aspect of our relationship too it's, and that, it sounds like what you're saying and when I'm, I'm taking this I think there's such a cool thing that you guys and how you started and Joe actually built on is that you're each sharing with each other your maybe I call it into what you're insecure about in the other yeah. person, but also in terms of taking an action, right, of, of the phone where you see it so differently, but you're also layering, layering each of your own insecurities on top and then just deconstructing it with your own actual feelings on that insecurity and how you each perceived it is so, that's such a cool dynamic that you guys just did right there. And I'm like completely blown away. And I think even more so, you can actually extrapolate it and say, that I think this happens a lot in, how communi in communications that, um, especially in, in a relationship where you put the other one in front of the other, but a lot of the times if you own, if you keep putting the other person's feelings and don't take your own feelings into account, I think that can be very dangerous. But when you're both saying what I'm hearing, and correct me if I'm if I'm completely wrong, but that you're saying I I, 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 I heard my partner's feelings about the subject, I'm also putting my own, and we're talking about both them yeah. being as long as both are present, you still make that same choice of A or B of going with what the other person said, other person did, but if you don't have that subcontext or a conversation before understanding the other person, you still make, you're either gonna, you're, either way you're making a left turn or a right turn, but if you understand how you got to that fork in the road, yeah. and, and at least tell a person, I hear you. On the phone, and she worked on being more available. And like, we also, I guess, I think that's what you just said, is that we, we also realized this, which is crazy. I think, I mean, I know I did. I realized, I realized in times I would be like, Nakama, I'm sorry, like, I'm, I'm spacing out a lot. And like, she would also be like, Joe, like, she would tell me, like, I'm sorry I wasn't available. Like, we realized this, our own insecurities when it came to this, this, and I think that's really special also. And that helped us sort of, I guess, not have as much anxiety about all these little aspects of our relationship.
That's really, really cool. And I want to wrap up by giving each of you separately, or if you want to do it, build on the other ones, um, the open forum right now to just talk about if there's one thing or something that you're currently, you know, you just got married. Is there something that you're currently anxious about? Thank God, no. I mean, yes, we could say, sorry for speaking personally, but okay. um, honestly, it's, that's a lie because the world is in a crazy space right now and job security is very shaky and life is shaky. We have no idea what will be, but I want, I'm a big believer that I gotta see the good in this moment and the good in this moment, I'm very grateful and I don't, I'm not, I'm not feeling anxious in this moment. So that's what I have to build on. Yes, there's a lot of unknown in this world, but I think that's, and, and going back to the, the Jewish spiritual aspect of it, um, I really believe that COVID has taught it, there's a phrase called Yerush Shemayim, um, fear of God. And if you really have a fear of God, you know that he's the only one in control. And right now, just knowing that nothing's in my control, but this moment, I'm grateful, and I'm just gonna take it from there. Wherever it goes, I will hopefully be hopeful and grounded and grateful for what I have. So whatever comes will come, and hopefully I have this man by my side, and I'm very grateful for that. Okay. And I'm grateful that for this, for this, um, all these. Hopefully, we're, we we could give something over to anyone. Um, but this was very interesting, and I'm very um, happy that we were able to contribute. So I'm an active listener of the Don't Worry About It podcast, and I always think about this question every time David asks his, his guests. Uh, and in different stages of these episodes, you would ask me this question, I would say different things. Like, especially leading up to the wedding, obviously there are a lot of nerves of getting everyone there, making sure everyone's okay and healthy. Before the wedding, making sure nothing happens at the wedding itself, which with Hashem's help, nothing really, it seems like everything's okay. Everything ended up being okay. Uh, but now, in, at this stage of my life, what I'm currently nervous about, I don't like to be nervous. I try not to be, but if I am, because I do, like my wife said, I do believe that obviously within these uncertain times, there's a lot to be nervous about, and job security is a big one, and also if I'm doing what I, like, just, there's a whole thing to unpack, a whole world to unpack with that, but, uh, just, like, like, I, I agree with my wife that I also believe that Hashem does, Hashem, God runs this world, and I do believe that everything happens for a reason, and that it's ultimately in his, his choice of, or his, or his choice of what's going to be, so, however, if I would pinpoint one thing I'm, I'm nervous about, it would probably be, maybe, like, being married and general just like and all the tits and turns of it yeah. and maybe that like more of that I think and like it's crazy because like if you would have asked me like I, I would say COVID oh getting corona or someone in my family getting corona but now I'm like I'm leaning away from that and being nervous about that because that's not my control what do you mean being nervous about being married <laughs> <laughs> being, being about all the yeah you know no, we're not. No, I think with Joe, I mean, Joe, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I think Joe's talking about, you know, the goal was to get married. He got over. He was talking about how, which I think for Lesnar. Yes. Right. Like all the futures. It's, the future is huge and 
and intense. No, and, and like all the like, uncertainties yes. of like, I'm not yeah, nervous about our relationship. I didn't I didn't take that. I thought it was so, first of all, as the host of the podcast, to hear you like answering along and like, oh, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to come on, like how to answer in the moment and especially like going through the whole craziness of your wedding. My wedding's in New York, my wedding's in LA, 100 people can come, 250 people can come, yeah. no people are coming, we're not, or when are we getting married? Like all that things and to answer that uncertainty I think is really cool and I think what it, what I heard from what you were talking about is like going through all that and now it's just like, now I'm married, I've gotten to that point, it's like, the next stage. You, you've been conditioned to, to be yeah. worried. Even though the next stage yeah. may not happen for a long time, but I'm saying like, I want to eventually have children. I want to eventually have my children. And like, even though the stuff isn't necessarily right now what I'm nervous about. But, you, but it's something that you're thinking about. It's on the back of my mind. Of mind. And now like, also having children is a, is a whole struggle itself. Like, Oh, that could be a struggle. We don't know, but... <laughs> okay, so what I... What I what, you know, I didn't realize this about you guys. And I've spent... I mean, a pretty good amount of time with, with, with you guys as a couple, you know, when Nehama was, was, was in New York, I would walk over in Englewood to your house after, you know, I was out of quarantine, after you were out of quarantine, and after all the quarantines, um, you know, sitting outside, socially distancing, and, and being able to spend, you know, time and really talking with you two. I've gotten to know you guys pretty well, and I didn't realize it until it was in the middle of Nehama's answer that I didn't, there was an aspect of your relationship and why you guys make so much sense that I didn't, and I understood a lot of it until now, and the word that comes to mind is resilience. Both of you are like the two, one, two of the most resilient people. And if you know them, you'll, you'll, you'll know this to be true. If you listen to them, you'll have that, you'll, you'll, you'll hear it as well in, in this podcast. I mean, the resiliency in so many aspects of your life to get through, to, to get to where you are today is an incredible achievement. And you guys should be damn proud, uh, damn proud of that. Because a lot man. of people, a lot of people could not, did not and could not handle what you guys went through. And, and the way you guys make it sound so easy it I know easy. it wasn't it wasn't easy and you guys came out of it with a lot of class and a lot of dignity and a lot of a lot of respect so for me just watching it and if it would be I guess not right if I didn't talk about something that I'm worried about after asking other people so I'll shortly go with something David, before you say what you're worried about I just want to say that like this has been knowing David for like basically my entire life and being really really close friends with him like this is something he's been wanting to do for a long time and he was, and I mean, I listened to you talking to Veer today about this, and I want to also just chime in also as like a very close friend that like, seeing how far you've gotten with this is just incredible to see from, I guess now I'm a part of it, but I'm saying from an outsider's view also, just like, it's just incredible to see how like passionate you are about this, even though you are one of the most passionate people I know. And like you really, when you put your mind to something, you really, you do it full throttle and hundred percent and like just to see you get this podcast running and how successful it's been so far just like it's been very inspiring to me and like in my own life and for like it really like teaches I think it should teach everyone that's listening like if you're really passionate about something and you and you want to do it and go far you can really be successful at it you just have to put effort and work and I want to commend you for that uh thank you um I'm like I don't take compliments well. Um, I know, I know. Especially doing it live, like yeah, you can yeah. attest to it, like physically, like I'm yeah, shaking. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I'm make sorry. a compliment. No, I'm sorry for compliment. <laughs> no, it's like I so, that in there. no, it's so weird. I, I appreciate it. And, like I, I love that you said that, but for me, it's just very. I've never been too good at taking compliments, so like it makes me a little. I just get uncomfortable hearing about it. It's something I've been working on, and just being appreciative of comments. So I'll, I'll say thank you, and um, you know, something that I've been really uh, worried about was was um you know how i'm going to handle this podcast moving forward 
Um, you know, I, I started this, um, I really wanted to do this for a while. I started it just by like saying, I just have to start and just do it. I, I recorded a little welcome. I recorded um, a quick thought and idea. And then I realized like, if I really wanted to do this, I'd have to open up. I was very scared to do that, but I didn't, I wasn't taking it public. I was gonna share it with some friends and I was worried about what my friends would think about it. But, and I was also really worried that, and I think this is a common theme people have in trusting feedback. Um, I knew, I didn't know if, if, if I did, if I wasn't good at it, would people really tell me? And I knew that I would, and I knew based on how I act, I wouldn't listen to them if they told me it was good anyway. So I was really kind of putting myself into like a lose-lose situation. And it's taken me a really long time with this podcast to really accept that people like it. And it, it clearly, clearly there's, I mean, I always knew this topic was good. I didn't know that I was going to be able to want to do it. I was going to be able to stay with it. So it's really cool, cool to, to be here with that. And um, something that I'm, you know, I'm worried about is taking this podcast to the next level, right? Uh, but the challenge was, you know, just starting it. And now I've been, oh, I missed last week due to crazy circumstances with guests and getting them to record and getting them on. And I had a ton going on in my life, packing up my, my house and moving. Yeah, to this week. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we're recording this on, on Monday, uh, August 31st. I'm not sure exactly when I'm going to release it, but getting two in this week will definitely help just in terms of, of scheduling. But being able to get guests, like, you know, I've had a lot of friends and I hope... My hope is that somebody out there that doesn't know me, I'm worried that, that no one who doesn't know me is going to feel comfortable enough to come on. And I'm scared that I'm going to get stuck in my own bubble and I'm not going to be able to grow it. And I didn't know that was my worry until I just said it out loud. So you heard it honestly and fully right there. Um, as we wrap up, as we wrap up, I'm going to just say thank you guys so much for, for coming on. Joe and Nakama, you're thank you for having us. like, I'm, like it, it, I listen. I do it. It takes a lot of guts to come on, especially as a newly married couple to do it together um, in front of the other one and, and to really open up the way you guys did together. It's incredible. So I really commend you guys and I just want to thank you guys so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, David. Thank you so much to Joe and Nakama for coming on and speaking so openly and candidly. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I have. I know I've been thinking a lot about what they've said. If anybody out there is listening is interested in coming on as a guest or has any suggestions of people to come on as a guest or topics that, I, that, you, that you're interested in hearing more about, please reach out and let me know. I'd love to explore them. Thank you guys really so much for listening. I really enjoy making these podcasts. I'm happy that the support from my friends and from the listeners has been so strong, and I'm excited to see where this podcast goes in the future. Please like, share, subscribe, and review the podcast. Maybe share it with somebody in your life that you think could benefit from it. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. I'll see you next week.